0: Back with another episode of Underrated. I'm Lefty, and I'm Bo. How are you doing today? Another
1: exciting week in the world of sports. What a fascinating time to be alive. Well, that's just yeah. a crazy world out there, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think the most exciting thing in the
1: past week was? Oh my gosh, what a nutty week in sports. We have we had a bit to cover today, I think. So, I mean. We'll just go ahead and jump into some headliners. Then we'll circle back on all the recaps of how terrible our uh, playoff predictions have been (laughs) since we started doing this show. (laughs) But, uh, okay, so the New Jersey Nets, they decided to can Steve Nash, right? So some say they were shocked. I figured he was on a pretty short leash. You know, and then you have the two and five start. There's, There's just too much turmoil within that organization going back to last season. But with that being said, as soon as you think this is a strategic move, to, you know, maybe improve morale, get this Circus 10 a little bit more grounded. I mean, last year you had the Harden drama, Durant tweeting cryptic stuff. This year it's Kyrie promoting anti-Semitic films. And they follow that by immediately expressing <laughs> that Ime Adoka, who's currently suspended by the Boston Celtics for the year due to some unflattering allegations, is now the top candidate to take over the Brooklyn Nets. So I think this says a lot. I'm not here to cancel Udoka, but out of respect for all parties involved, uh, maybe it's best to let everyone have a minute, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine a worse place to be right now than in Brooklyn. Um, oh my gosh. Especially with the, the you know, the the recent Kyrie developments, um, everything else that's happening, it's just, just bad news bears.
1: When Charles Barkley is out there saying that you should be suspended because you're an idiot... That's pretty bad. You've stooped to a level of just, you know. And I think on a serious note, I've Kyrie seems like a very intelligent man. Does okay. He? he he seems like an intelligent man. He, it could be all improv. The hard the hard pivot from flat earth yeah. to antisemitism
0: kind of kind of shoots that theory in the foot.
1: You you would think that there has to be some awareness. So the lack of accountability here you know, I know some things that come out today. I think he wanted to, uh, uh, I think he issued an apology and wants to, uh, donate hundreds of thousand dollars to, um, you know, uh, some sort of organizations, whatever, but the awareness and lack thereof, I mean, there's, it's inexcusable. Sorry. You gotta be held accountable for stuff like this. It's, it's, yeah. it's 2022, right?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, it's a horrible so, situation. Um, well, and you know, just in the last 30 minutes, um, he would be uh, the Nets announced that he was being suspended for no less than five games
1: really well you know it it'll, again like we talked about this big it's just a giant circus tent there in Brooklyn right I mean last year it was everything with uh the vaccination uh, ordeal um and him not being able to play but being able to play in some cities it's just I mean I've never seen so many people be so dysfunctional you know? Yeah. uh, well, probably as a child, a family dinner or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's just a mess. But kind of jumping away from that uh, crap, big news in college football last weekend. Unfortunate news too, but if you even remotely follow sports, you've heard about this. Michigan State and the University of Michigan. It's being called a brawl, and I, I know we don't have all the details just yet but they, i think i'm comfortable calling it an attack yeah that, that seems a little uh, charitable yeah there's a few videos of uh, wolverine's uh, d-back jaden mcburrows being kicked stomped punched somehow helplessly gets out of it but it's pretty disturbing you know either way he's lawyered up now and you have four msu football players suspended indefinitely umpd launched an investigation into it the schools in the NCAA are going to be very involved in this process moving forward, as you know. So, Lefty, if it's up to you, you know, how do you handle the situation with these young athletes?
0: You know, I think that it's a, it's an interesting situation um, in that it's being investigated by the police. Uh, that player is, has lawyered up and is, is looking to press charges, it sounds like, um, because I think that that's a route that all sports should go. I think anytime there's physical altercations like this, they kind of just swept get swept under the rug as you know, just a part of the game when sure. they don't need to be and they shouldn't be. Um, sure. So I sure. think that this is a good step in the right direction, at least in terms of the, the law enforcement side and the potential, uh, you know, assault charges or whatever they may be. Um, I think that actual legal ramifications might uh, might prevent future issues.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, we just talked about accountability in another story here. We're talking about accountability now. How far does it have to go? How? Who? What has to happen for us to get over the? Well, it's kids being kids, right? I mean, they're old enough to know right from wrong. And
0: yeah, yeah. None of
1: them are, are are children, you know. No, I mean, we're not talking about toddlers here, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's there's got to be some accountability. I agree with you. Um, there there has to be some sort of, uh, you know, uh, something at stake here, and yeah. you know maybe this will uh, prevent some future. Uh, athletes from making bad decisions um, so they don't have to, you know, watch their careers go down the drain before they're even getting them started. So, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, well, and, and, you know, kind of aside from, from this unfortunate issue, it really also, uh, you know, brings to light another issue from just a couple of weeks ago, I believe, that uh, Penn State coach James Franklin brought it up. Just the, the, the poor design of that stadium to allow both teams. To enter through the same like confined space seems very right. odd, uh, right. and it's actually kind of shocking that no greater you know issue has come and come up in the past.
1: That's like that sounds like Highmark Stadium in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 always been like that, and it's always uh, some sort of theatrics happening. Uh, but there's millions of dollars on the table there, so a lot of those players uh, you know try to keep it together. But uh, speaking of the NFL. Friend of Lefty and the show, Dan Schneider, the uh, current and future former owner of the Washington Commanders, in the news. Fingers crossed. Uh, Schneider Schneider has hired a team to explore sale of the uh, of the team. This, I no, this I, comes... just wanna, I, <laughs> I just
0: want to. I just want to clarify here. You're talking Schneider, not Dan Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Dan Schneider. Dan, Dan, Dan Schneider. It, it sounded to me like you said Schneider. And yeah, and, that, and that's another problematic man that, uh, I'd like to keep off of this podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know how familiar you are Let's, with the, the <laughs> saga of of the other Dan Schneider.
1: Yeah. Um, we don't, uh, we don't want it to, <laughs> but, uh, this is not, we, a, we don't want to bring that into the mix here, but <laughs> this comes before, after, or at the same time. I mean, who, who even freaking knows really at the same time, the attorney general's in DC and Virginia open an investigation to some financial, we'll call them discrepancies within the organization and uh you know don't forget congress is still investigating him due to claims in regards to the uh, workplace culture and misconduct so all this happening today it comes out that there's a very interested buyer maybe even possibly two and, and i'm sure you've never heard the name jeff uh, jeff bezos but he he's vocalized that he has along with jay-z interest in the team and i have only one question where's the dirt on the other NFL owners, you promised us, Danny. Where is it? <laughs> Lefty, your thoughts?
0: Well, you know, I think that you you, you failed to mention uh, maybe the the most interesting wrinkle in this entire entire in, endeavor, entire ordeal, and that some fans are speculating that the final nail in the coffin of Dan Snyder's ownership is actually coming from Taylor Swift. Have you seen this theory thrown out online? I have
1: not heard this theory, and I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so so some fans and, uh, you know, uh, online folk are saying that, that, that Dan Snyder has been brought down by Taylor Swift um, because she decided to purposefully skip FedEx Field and everything related to Dan Snyder on her upcoming world tour
1: that's a no-no that's oh that's that's more than subliminal man wow who knew that uh, taylor swift was the uh the judge the jury and executor honestly
0: um you know i think that she's got the funds i think that she could make a good owner you know (laughs) Right, right i think that uh washington commander's taylor's version um is something that uh we could all get behind
1: maybe she joins the uh the uh, jeff bezos jay-z uh ownership group and uh you know teams up and you've got a trifecta of just a trillion dollars yeah at, yeah at, well you
0: know it, se- it seems like she's she's been pretty good recently of avoiding shitty guys uh oh yeah who, who have you know share ownership she's of her pretty, things she, so she, she's uh,
1: she's on a good she's on a good run right now she's yeah, yeah out.
0: especially when it comes to you know sharing ownership of things with, with shitty guys so uh yeah, you know yeah. I, I, th- I think she's she's got it all to herself and I, no. I fully support that
1: good. <laughs> the show supports you <laughs> yeah
0: yes the underrated officially endorses Taylor Swift as the future owner of the Washington Commanders
1: yeah You know, uh, that would be pretty interesting. Isn't there a couple other big sports teams that are kind of on the the, uh, block, on the real estate block there? Like, I thought there was another team that's uh, possibly up for sale that's of of interest. Oh, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. The Phoenix Suns. Who, uh, I, I heard, now I've heard this, I can't confirm this, but I heard that Barack Obama is a part of an ownership group that is looking... To become the new owners of the Phoenix Suns, so that would be very interesting to see if that came to fruition.
0: Yeah, that especially would, that after everything's gone down there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I don't want to overstep our our space as a uh, as a sports podcast, but that seems like a fitting acquisition for him because you know, throughout his presidency, he did have a uh, a lot of uh, you know a lot of influence among activities in the in the yeah. southwest desert you know the yeah. the piloting of drone bombs from
1: most republicans sh- would say that's all he did
0: storage containers in the southwest <laughs> but uh <sighs> getting
1: a little sidetracked <sighs> yeah. here that's that's right uh so uh lefty jumping into it anybody you'd like to talk about sir you know,
0: I, I do want to just just say another event that happened in this past week that that I'm not sure if you followed before before we jump into a story here. Sure, I I, I know we're not uh, the biggest racing fans in the world. Obviously, the, the big one is Formula One that was in Austin a few weeks back. Right. But, uh, have you have you followed any NASCAR news recently?
1: Uh, just the uh, the Bubba Wallace situation. Um, um that whole uh, you yeah, know that's 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 old news.
0: The, yeah, it was that? You, you didn't weeks you old. didn't you didn't follow anything from this past week's race?
1: No, I thought I saw a video of uh, some sort of uh, you know uh, altercation. So not an altercation. Uh, driver Ross
0: Chastain uh, set an all-time course record at Martinsville Speedway, like for a single lap, by on the final lap coming into the finish line, compete like completing a move. That he practiced as a child in 2005 in a 2005 GameCube NASCAR video game in which instead of slowing down through the curve, he purposely hit the wall and accelerated out of the curve while riding the wall like (laughs) to set set an all time speed record (laughs) um, and secure a position in their playoff format.
1: So, so this was an offensive move to deliberately run into the wall, and, gain and you, momentum, you, and speed off. Yeah, use the wall to counter <laughs> the, the
0: turning forces, and come out of the the turn significantly faster than anybody else. He set a set a set a lap speed record, past like five guys in the last last you know just just the last turn. Um, pretty pretty incredible stuff. And then when asked about it afterwards, he said it was something that he practiced on like. A NASCAR video game on the GameCube, fifteen that, uh, years ago.
1: I gotta say that's a uh, that that's a baller move, especially it, it at was. high speeds, deliberately hitting the wall. Yeah, yeah. in a yeah, uh, you know, uh, you're you're. Let's be real here. You're you're essentially driving a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and
0: and you know, there's only one time you can do that. You know, if you don't do it on the last lap, going out of that like right into the finish line, like your your car is just screwed, and you're not gonna you know it you're, you're talking happen- on the
1: GameCube, right not real life no in real life <laughs> all, there's only all- one time you can possibly you know yeah, beat yeah i mean death. you can't you can't you can't right.
0: do it twice in a race right you, yeah you, you have to do it at that time and he timed it sure. perfectly and, and did it and uh it's probably the most exciting thing ever to happen in the sport of nascar um oh, and, definitely. and almost makes me want to watch i probably won't but um hey take note mlb
1: definitely if 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 you're gonna have to uh, turn on some, uh, you know, toilet bowl racing, that's what we need. We need some fireworks like that. I'm not oh, talking yeah. about fights. Yeah. I, I don't know what I saw. I, I felt like a, uh, a, a separate from the bubble walla situation. Another, uh, another driver accosted someone else and tried to pull them out of their vehicle here recently. But uh, well, we'll 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 cover that maybe uh, once I once I confirm uh, yeah yeah once we once, those, uh...
0: once once we start watching nascar races we'll talk about that more
1: once we started uh, becoming just full-on nascar coverage <laughs> and you know uh...
0: I, I mean i do have to say right it's not a sport i think i'll ever get into it's got a weird legacy it's fan is some is a group that i'm not uh, not all that supportive of but you know they they have done quite a bit rapidly to sure. uh, kind of resurrect their fan base and uh, keep things exciting, and I think that that's an admirable move that other leagues could really learn from.
1: Definitely, I think the one issue here is that for uh, uh, non NASCAR fans or racing fans, that some cool things are going down in Formula One that are are really starting to you know grab people's attentions, and uh, you know uh, maybe maybe we watch more racing. Yeah, well, maybe Why don't we check it out yeah. Until then, is there yeah. anybody you wanted to talk about?
0: Absolutely You know, Bo, as as we watch the World Series unfold between the Astros and Phillies We've kind of seen the regular tropes play out You know, superstars like Bryce Harper and Alex Bregman have been electric mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've seen the classic unlikely hero This time, Christian Javier, pitch gyms, you know Yeah, yeah There have been some incredible performances in the World Series over the years Christy Matheson throwing three complete game shutouts over the course of six days, Reggie Jackson earning his Mr. October nickname in the 1977 World Series with the Yankees. Uh Um, But today, I want to talk about a player who put up a World Series performance so grand and so unlikely that it resulted in death threats so legitimate that he required FBI escorts to and from the stadium and so meaningful to his career that he was catapulted from being a middling backup in his fourth uneventful season to one of the greatest players at his respective position of all time. Today, I want to talk about former catcher Gene Tennis. Oh, I thought you were going to say Joe Carter. You know, there there is some overlap there later, you know, but uh, <laughs> continue on, uh, sir. But but not Joe Carter. You know, <laughs> Tennis was an unlikely major leaguer. He was drafted in the 20th round of the 1965 draft by the Athletics. You know, after developing some power in the minors in 1969, Tennis was called up to Oakland for a short, uneventful stint. In 1970, he again spent time between the majors and the minors before sticking around as a backup full-time in 1971. In 1972, after spending the season as a backup, Tennis was named the starting catcher for the club for the postseason. And this is really where his unlikely heroics and his career started to change. Over the previous four seasons, Tennis had played in only 201 total games. And while he excelled in our modern conceptualization of the game, he was viewed as a below average hitter. Tennis connected on only one hit in all of the ALCS, but that hit was one that drove in the winning run to clinch the series and send the team to the World Series. Wow. a World Series against the Cincinnati Reds that they were expected to handedly lose. You know, Oakland star Reggie Jackson was out for the series due to injury, and the stars of the Big Red machine were certain they would win. Um, you know, Pete Rose went as far as to say the real World Series was between the Reds and the Pirates in reference to the NLCS that year. Mm-hmm. But tennis responded. In Game 1, he launched a home run in his first at-bat, giving the A's a 2 nothing lead. And in his next at-bat, he again lifted another ball for a homer, driving in every run in Oakland's 3-2 victory. In games 4 and 5, Tennis smashed two more home runs, tying Babe Ruth, Duke Snyder, Hank Bauer, and Lou Gehrig with the most in a single World Series. After returning to Cincinnati for games 6 and 7, Tennis was so hated in the city that a man was actually arrested (laughs) sitting in his idling car with an open bottle of whiskey and a loaded revolver in his hand to kill Gene Tennis.
1: Wow. I've never after heard the story.
0: Yeah, after he was arrested in court, he, he said, paraphrasing, that Gene Tennis had killed the Reds in the series and that he, someone needed to kill Gene
1: Tennis. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Tennis wasn't allowed to ride the team bus and the FBI escorted him to and from games, switching routes each time. Um, yeah. That that performance won tennis the World Series MVP award on the back of four homers, nine runs batted in, and an OPS of 1.313. Wow! Just just incredible production. Yeah. Absolutely. After after four years of of barely playing, you know, the next four seasons in Oakland would see him vaulted into the starting lineup, cracking 100 walks and 20 home runs in each of those four seasons, and averaging 4.8 bewar per season, cementing himself as one of the greatest hitting catchers in the game. In 1973 and 74, Tennis helped cement the Oakland dynasty, winning two more World Series titles and three consecutive overall. But there were other heroes in those titles, as Tennis only managed five total hits across those two series. In that first one in 1973, it, it, it's, a, it's a good example of what Gene Tennis' career was like. Definitely. He only had three hits. He went three for 19. But he had 11 other plate appearances, all resulting in walks. Yeah. He, he had an on-base percentage of almost 500. But those things weren't uh, weren't quite respected at the time. Right. So, uh, you know, as I said, there were other heroes in those titles. And tennis was it's pretty forgotten. He wasn't very productive. And prior to the 1976 season... Tennis became a free agent and signed a new six-year contract with the San Diego Padres. In his first three seasons in San Diego, tennis averaged over five wins above replacement per season. And he had an OPS over 135, the highest of his career for a stretch. And he again cracked 100 walks in each of those first three seasons. But that strong production wasn't respected at the time. And his playing time was uh, severely cut. You know, Padres owner Ray Kroc was quoted as saying, all tennis wants to do is walk. We can't win waiting for walks. He's being paid to hit, and he can't hit.
1: Uh, but is this Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's?
0: You, you know, uh, I think so, <laughs> but uh, we should probably sorry. we should probably verify that. Right. You know, I I, I believe that it's that Ray Kroc, but
1: uh, <laughs> sorry, I just, just heard that name and it yes. just rung a bell. <laughs>
0: Stranger things have happened. Right. Right. Yes, it is the same. Oh, same Ray Kroc. God. Yeah. Yeah. He invented the uh, invented McDonalds rap you know, invented fast food but uh, doesn't doesn't respect the walk. can yeah, unreal man. Um yeah, so he's quoted as saying all he wants to do is walk and they can't win waiting for walks. Uh but but tennis took it in stride. He agreed, said he'd been underperforming. Um and uh, you know, vowed to do everything he could to help the team win. But yeah. uh no, he was actually uh, sent out in an 11, 11-player 11 trade that sent him to the St. Louis Cardinals following the 1980 season. That's right. And he spent the next three years with the Cardinals, um, you know, kind of barely playing. Right. He did help them secure a World Series title in 1982, but uh, following that season, uh, they didn't re-sign him. They didn't want him back. He signed with the Pirates. There he only played in 53 more games, uh, was released by the club, retired soon after. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, you know, in parts of 15 seasons, tennis accumulated 46.8 BOR. That total is 13th best all-time among catchers. Yeah. Higher than other borderline Hall of Fame catchers and Buster Posey, Thurman Munson, and Yadier Molina. Um, his seven-year peak war uh, was 35, and it's tied with Roy Campanella. Only the legendary slugger Josh Gibson and Hall of Famer Mike Piazza surpassed his OPS plus of 136.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even thought that about uh, Piazza. Really? Yeah. I not just... No, <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think that.
0: Um, his four World Series rings is also, you know, nothing to scoff at. Um, tennis was easily one of the best hitters of all time at catcher, but that performance came at a time when the understanding of the game was different. On-base percentage was not valued, and walks mm-hmm. were seen as unimportant and not productive. And, you know, just two decades later, the skill set that made tennis so great, but so forgotten, ironically, would be the the, the same skill set that Oakland, the very organization that let him walk away in free agency, will value more than anything. Yeah. You know, Gene Tennis was a star, a player known for supporting his teammates, even as he saw his playing time production stripped away, mm. and a victim of an era that never realized how good he was or how good he could have been. Do you think Gene Tennis is underrated?
1: Yeah, I do. I think uh, yeah, I think it's a shame that his name isn't really in any conversations. I mean, you, you touched on it you know just a little bit here. 13 all time and war for catchers. I you know I would loop them in you know, I think guys like Thurman Munson um, uh, you know are among some of the best like non Hall of Fame catchers. Uh, you know his career on base percentage was 388. I mean that's higher than Reggie Jackson, Johnny Bench, you know Pete Rose. I mean he's a 72 World Series MVP. You know, um, crazy enough, uh, the Padres Ray Kroc. Okay, you know you know a lot about the uh, you know a lot about the uh, the burger world, but uh, apparently you don't know a lot about uh, walks and, and OBP because uh, <laughs> you know he's the franchise all time leader at 402 and it's not tony gwynn you know like uh, i'm not sure if you know a lot of people understand that i mean he had six season of 100 plus walks um you know that's like those are historical numbers man but again you know um i i just don't think there was enough flair um obviously you know uh legendary story you you (laughs) you brought about you know a a possible you know uh you know death threats and uh avoiding uh you know uh sort of like a you know just like a mafioso style uh you know that sounds like something out of a scorsese film there but (laughs) uh yeah you know i i think that um other things come into play like you know he 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 batted miserably in the alcs you know um I, i i think uh I think that uh, his career looks similar on paper to a guy like uh, Adam Dunn. You talked about the Reds, and we'll, we'll throw on the White Sox in this conversation too, uh, as far as a, you know a, a batting line. But uh, you know, overall, uh, I mean, he had a solid few seasons there consecutive. I want to say what four or five, maybe even more, where you know he was averaging five WAR a season. I mean, uh, amongst catchers in that world, I, 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 th- I don't think he gets the respect that uh, he deserves. So yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I agree. I think uh, I think tennis is underrated, man.
0: Yeah, you know, and just talking about his you know his, his production there, it, it's very likely, you know, obviously we, t- we talk a lot about players that are victims of their era. And players sure. that uh the, you know the, the what ifs of, of of production um you know but he's another player that uh easily could have you know far far um you know he, he could have produced much more a much higher total of wind buff replacement if his skill set was respected right if, if you look at his his early and later his part-time seasons right in 1970 and 71 when he only played 38 and 65 games respectively. He averaged two wins above replacement a season, despite you know averaging what forty-five games a year, right? Uh, Fifty exactly. games a year, um, full-time production. He, you know, that's that's easily you know six more seasons. Even his last year in St. Louis, when he only played in sixty-six games, still well above average with that two-point-two sure. above replacement. You know, in, in in if he was actually getting regular playing time and you know was appreciated for the for the. You know production that that he actually had, um, you know he easily could have been in that uh, that sixty war like, you know Hall of Fame not catcher asterisk uh, sure, uh you know range, right. So uh you know I think I think if he was a player who existed now, um it'd be a different story. Oh, we think definitely. about if we if we think about all of the the love and support that that Yadier Molina has has received over his entire career. Um, sure. And you know the support that he's received and you know he just retired officially yesterday two days ago um you know people consider him easily no question a hall of famer but his production in a much longer career um was not as good as gene tennis
1: right yeah agreed i mean statistically i mean it speaks for itself honestly yeah
0: um you know and and you know i wasn't alive in the 70s you weren't either so right. we can't we can't really remember what it was like for the the age to win those world series but yeah. uh, i imagine that uh, the fan base has always been pretty small
1: um definitely
0: even if he, definitely. even if even if uh, you know tennis had been in a larger market i think the support that he would have gotten was much greater if he had been playing for, in new york or
1: you know boston for sure. um you know, can you can you imagine old. him playing for those early two thousands Athletics though? Like, oh yeah,
0: he might have he might have won a World Series.
1: <laughs> I mean seriously, I, that's where he would have thrived. I mean oh, that absolutely. was that was that was he, true Moneyball.
0: He was built for that 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 you know that style of play that and, system. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, he you know entered the league a couple decades too early.
1: Definitely, uh, you know, interesting. You know, uh, nine hundred eighty four walks compared to 998 strikeouts but only 1,060 hits you know that's uh that's an interesting line right there yeah yeah yeah
0: but that that you know the career on base percentage of almost almost 400 is it's pretty great career For OPS sure. of 800 over 800 is uh you know kind of unheard of at that position
1: right no I did I agree man I uh yeah it's 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 too bad that uh you know, his his name isn't uh, ahead in some aspects. I mean, it, you mentioned names like jo- Josh Gibson and Roy Campanella, you know. I mean, it, guys like Joe Torre and Ted Simmons, uh, I mean, even more recent, uh, like Jorge Posada. Uh, I, I think he's right in that mix. Like, I yeah, think he's yeah. right there in that mix, you know, and you hear those names and those are... You know, but I, you just don't hear his quite a bit. And I, I think yeah. right there in itself tells you, uh, you know, I don't want to say the disrespect, but the underappreciation, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and obviously you've got quite, you know, different extenuating circumstances when it comes to Josh Gibson and Campanella. But, uh, you know, when it comes to guys like Posada, Ted Simmons, you know, they're similar, very similar players. Right, uh, right. You know, and he, you know, arguably better absolutely Um, so uh you know maybe he'll get that recognition later in life and i I didn't touch on it but uh you know the same thing kind of happened to him after he retired from playing and entered coaching you know he was he was long rumored to be you know a future manager manager material yeah never never got there his only stint at manager was uh when he was with the blue jays organization where he also won two two world series rings as a coach but uh he, he yeah. was only a briefly an interim manager for the 1991 blue Jays
1: right right um,
0: so again over overlooked in that regard and I don't know if he would have made a good manager but uh, he definitely had the credentials to back it up
1: yeah definitely yeah that was uh, uh what was this, Cito Gaston I think that was uh, he was manager of the Jays he was there i uh looked up a photo of gene Tennis here from just not too long ago. Looks like Don Rickles in Casino. <laughs> he is, or just Don uh, Rickles at any point. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, uh, imagine imagine coming out and facing the the battery of Raleigh fingers and Gene right. Tennis. That's a
1: that's enough. That's a uh, lot of mustache, man. That's a lot of mustache. That's a lot of mustache, and I appreciate that. That's that's awesome. No, definitely, without a doubt, uh, I, I, we both agree All on the same page here, Gene Tennis. Underrated, uh, definitely underappreciated as far as you know, catchers of all time for sure. And, yeah, and uh, uh, one walk greatest, machine, man.
0: Yeah, and one of the greatest World Series performances of all time.
1: Absolutely, and all right. uh,
0: we're going to uh, take that's... a quick break, and we'll be back with another story. And we are back. Is there somebody you wanted to to talk about today, Bo?
1: Yeah, definitely. Today's story is going to be a little bit of a deeper cut on my end, you know, and, and that's the beauty of having your own podcast, right? Whole purpose of starting this thing was to talk about lesser known athletes. So today I want to talk about surfing. If uh, if any of you out there have ever tried to get on a surfboard, you understand that the ability to compete in this sport is truly as mental and emotional as it is physical so today i want to talk about american professional surfer bethany hamilton you familiar with this name lefty you know uh,
0: i am not i'm not all that uh yeah. familiar with uh surfing in general
1: yeah um, you know i i want to start by saying that you know surfing is obviously a, a co-ed endeavor but I don't think that most people realize that historically the sport itself has been dominated by female surfers. If you look at a list of the greatest surfers of all time, you are going to see many more female surfers on that list. Um, Sure, you have Kelly Slater, you have Laird Hamilton, no relation, by the way. You have uh, uh, Duke. Kahana Moku, Uh, but for every one of those, you have your Lane Beachley's, your your Stephanie Gilmore's, and your Joyce Hoffman's, which are huge, big names in the surfing world, all female stars. And they've dominated competitively. Um, Now, Bethany's story starts at age three. That's when she learned how to surf. And by age eight, already surfing competitively. And think about that for a minute. A child. By, by age 10, she already had her first sponsorship. You know, uh, surfing was her passion. Obviously, she had the talent. It was pretty clear early on that her future was going to be a, as a professional. But in 2003, at age 13, she went out for a morning surf with a close friend and her family off the coast of Hawaii. And while laying belly down on her board, a 14-foot tiger shark attacked her. Okay, so this shark... Quickly severed her left arm almost completely off, right below the shoulder. Her friend and her family immediately come to her rescue and they're able to paddle her back to shore. They fashion a tourniquet out of a rash guard, they wrap her arm. By the time she reaches the hospital, she'd already lost 60% of her blood and she was in hypovolemic shock. Her father is already at the hospital coincidentally that morning he's going in for knee surgery so he's sitting at the hospital and his daughter's being rushed in with no left arm now imagine that he's in the operating room literally has to get up and she takes his place because he was in the last bed so i mean this is crazy right so absolutely oddly enough you know everyone's freaking out She told the doctors that she felt normal after she was bitten. She didn't feel much pain, and she just felt kind of numb on her left side. Can you believe this? 13 years old, right? Wow. So the attack resulted in the loss of her left arm, but not her drive, and absolutely not her determination to become a pro surfer. 26 days after this attack and leaving the hospital, Bethany entered her first major competition of her life over the next three years alone she would finish first place in four of six major competitions in the u.s and internationally to this day she has continued to compete in more than 27 national and world competitions in the u.s australia brazil fiji france peru so crazy as this is going to sound though the pro circuit is not where her major accomplishments have come from in 2011, she started a foundation called Friends of Bethany Hamilton. It's a support and outreach program for other shark attack survivors and amputees to encourage them to share their stories and a follow-through on their dreams and, and, and just for, you know, moral support, right? This, this outreach program focuses primarily on girls and young women ages 12 to 25 who've suffered through traumatic limb loss, And her husband also runs a retreat center for young males at the same place for young male amputees as well. Now, back in 04, she received an ESPY award for best comeback athlete. She received the Courage Teen Choice Award. That same year, her first book was also published. After the attack, she of course receives mass media attention. But we need to remember that over the years, her life has been talked about based on what some would see as just a survival of a near-death experience. You know, she doesn't have any Olympic medals and she isn't royalty in her sport. You know, her career has been talked about specifically for the fact that she survived a shark attack at age 13. What doesn't get talked about is the quick turnaround and immediate and a sustained success over, you know, 20 years, you know she's still competing in major competitions you know, back in june of this year she finished fourth place in the world surf league's priority destinations pro in hawaii fourth place out of 24 very talented established and up-and-coming female surfers obviously she's in her 30s now she's been surfing for 20 years she has one arm and she's still competing wow. at a high level even at her age right so let me ask you this lefty Is it possible Bethany Hamilton is a bit overrated, maybe? You know, her story being exploited for years, making TV appearances on Oprah Winfrey, The Tonight Show, books published, and they made a movie based on her her life story, appearances on game shows. It it can be quite a bit sometimes, right? Or is her actual career not talked about enough? Her, Her accomplishments as an amputee continuing to compete in events where no one else is? Her... Presence in the community, and and most importantly, her her determination in the sport. Do you think Bethany Hamilton is underrated?
0: Yeah, you know I'd say absolutely. You know I'm not all that familiar with the the world of surfing from the sure. landlocked Midwest, obviously, but uh, <laughs> um, you know I think that uh, I, I at least assume that it's it's a sport that doesn't have a ton of longevity. Um, seems like a lot of sports in that. Uh, in that gamut uh, kind of you know fizzle out much younger they start younger and, and end a lot younger sure um, so, so to maintain a professional career for almost two decades is huge um, so that alone is is worth recognizing um, but to maintain that career for, for almost two decades and continue to, to compete at such a high level is, is something defi- definitely worth acknowledging um, yeah you know I'm not certain I, I can't tell you you know, what what is good and bad in surfing, but uh, I can definitely, and as we've talked about quite a bit throughout this podcast, longevity, um, especially in the, in the face of, you know, turmoil, is uh, something that should be acknowledged. And, uh, you know, Bethany Hamilton definitely, uh, you know, fulfills, checks all those boxes.
1: Right. And you, I mean, look at it this way. You know, when you're in a situation where you suffer a traumatic life event right especially the loss of a limb let's just call it what it is right or you know you're say you're paralyzed or 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 something in that sense mentally and emotionally you go to a different place right and in a sport like surfing you're on your own okay it's no different than tennis or golf or you know being in a boxing ring it's a one man or woman show right and you don't have a team to pick you up, to give you the support and try to push you out there. It's just you and yourself, you know, less than a month later after coming out of surgery and, you know, just getting right back into the sport and jumping into a major competition. I mean, that's incredible, especially at that age, you know, we're talking about uh, someone who's barely a teenager.
0: Yeah, and then immediately writing a an autobiography about it. Right, right, selling exactly. It, selling it to a movie studio and uh, you know probably setting yourself up financially for life. Uh, sure, pretty, pretty savvy move there.
1: Definitely, and you know again, you talk about the company that an athlete is in. Again, you know, as far as you're talking about surfing, the balance, right? You're your your state of balance is a key factor in being able to surf just in general i mean as a beginner right it's all about your body and your balance i can't imagine losing a limb i also can't imagine how that can affect your body your posture your everything right um yeah yeah for her to just turn around and say hey no sweat you know I hear a lot of stories, uh, not necessarily about this, but uh, a lot of young people and, and children suffering traumatic, what we would consider traumatic experiences. But it seems like they're able to just digest this and handle it a lot better than adults sometimes, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think this, is, a, this is, is one of those cases. So, you know, um, yeah, I think we both agree, you know, there may have been a lot of exploitation of this story. Especially within the media when it happened, but I don't believe when she was seeing continued success for consecutive years that that was the primary focus. It was a survival story, and it was a made-for-Hollywood type of thing, and that's what the focus be- became. But she was she's been a highly successful female surfer, and uh, you know, will p- probably still has quite a few years ahead of her. You know, yeah, in yeah. that world. Totally. So, so uh, y- a couple of, y- couple of underrated athletes. A couple of underrated athletes for sure. You know, my, uh, just want to remind everyone, my prediction on the World Series was Astros and six, right? Yeah. Yeah. Still possible. Still, fo- still very possible. I'm, uh, I'm just, I want to see it happen. And for the, it's for the sake of my morale. I need this to happen i don't even care about the hopes and dreams of bryce harper anymore i'm just selfish i want it to be (laughs) right but i will say the um his homer i mean well amongst 50 other homers they hit in the last game um very impressed by i did you see the video of the conversation or were you watching it live when he called alec bohm over to uh, the dugout and said something to him yeah yeah and uh I, I I guess. Uh, have you seen all the theories on uh, McCullers tipping his pitches? Have you Have you seen this out there?
0: Yeah, yeah. There are a couple, uh, couple floating around.
1: Yeah. Well, what, what was it? He was kicking his leg or his foot was uh, was. Uh, yeah. Tipping some the folks pitches? some
0: some folks speculated that his uh, there was variation in his knee kick. Um,
1: others said yeah. that
0: along with that knee kick, uh, his mitt height was also uh, you know varying from from pitch to pitch
1: man well again um we've it can still happen here like i said um i'm being selfish and and in a joking fashion too you know hey listen it's been kind of a fun series to watch let's let's talk about a combined no hitter right yeah yeah that's pretty incredible man (laughs) you know and if an offensive explosion and then a complete just shut down you know the following game it's it's been pretty fun I like that. Uh, what about these Portland Thorns?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I mentioned. You know, they they, they had the uh, the MVP. Uh, might be a uh, might be tough not to win. Uh, yeah, I was, I was right there. I don't know if I actually predicted it, but I did mention it. Um, you did mention and, it. And uh, she very quickly opened up scoring and uh, you know sealed the game just minutes in.
1: Yeah, and Sinclair, just the
0: what a career, right? Yeah. Coming back for another year, um, you know. I uh, don't know. No knock on her; she's still a, a productive player and uh, definitely a great asset for a team. Not sure, sure how much she helps the team anymore. Um, I think she she might be, you know, taking some playing time from from players that could help build the future of that organization. But yeah. uh, at the same time, it's somebody you don't want to lose.
1: Definitely but i agree you, you and i feel exactly the same you know i just you know we mentioned you know you, you texted me the other night about this wainwright adam wainwright situation the cardinals and it's just like listen I appreciate everything you've done for the organization you know but it we we've got to move forward yeah. and it, this is just not moving forward and uh you know they talk about how his baseball iq is so high and all this stuff and i completely agree but let's put him in that type of role and get him off the damn roster okay (laughs) like let's just move forward a little bit right
0: yeah i mean it's kind of like the uh the cardinals utilization of larry walker at the end of his career yeah i don't know how much you you remember about that i do Um, but uh you know he played two seasons there um and then they pivoted him to the role as a bullpen catcher right Right, um, right, where where his knowledge could be, you know, more effectively utilized than exactly, um, you know,
1: because um, there's a, there can only be one TLR, <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and even, even even when it comes down to to Adam Wainwright, right? You know, Larry Walker's last season was way more productive than Adam Wainwright's 2022. Oh, so, for sure.
1: Um, yeah, the, the Cardinals had you know success for a bit there. You know um consecutive times with you know uh, athletes at the very end of their career you know the the, the berkmans and the walkers and the will clarks and the uh, carlos beltrans and um you know it's uh you get to that point and it's like okay you know this is great and everything but we they're taking playing time, like you said, away from somebody. Else. I mean, we've got a lot of young talent in this organization, and we've got to figure out what's the return on investment here, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. we know what Adam Wainwright is. We yeah, don't well, you know.
0: You know, he's a player that has only surpassed two wins buff replacement once in the last eight years. Yeah. That, that is not an asset to your team. Um, and I also don't see him taking a reduction in playing time.
1: No, that's not going to happen. And that's just the, that's the Cardinals in general. And that's a systematic thing. You know, they're so just the, not going to do it to them. That's, yeah.
0: the, that's the Cardinal way.
1: Jeez. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping our 35 year old manager puts a stop to that, but we'll, we'll see. So are are we not even going to talk about the big news and on the South side of Chicago? Oh, what's the news? They hired somebody as manager. Nobody knows who it is, but they hired him. And he came off the bench uh, after working under, you know, the the great Dayton Moore and uh, Mike Matheny. Yeah. So, yeah, you can what? say that he's a little, uh, he's got some pent up energy. Oh, definitely. He's, uh, he's been told to stay away from laptops at weird hours in the night. Yeah. He's got uh, <laughs> safe search on. Right. Exactly. So, do you have any thoughts? You just feel indifferent, you know?
0: No, uh, you know, I think it's a good direction. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, the only thing that I wanted from a manager three things somebody from outside the organization, somebody not white, and somebody (laughs) that has never played in the major leagues. And, you know, he checks all the boxes. Um, I also think that, you know, it sounds like they're doing some great things in terms of, um, you know, bringing in surrounding. Coaching staffs—they signed uh, Charlie Montoyo. Uh, mm-hmm. as the bench coach. Um, yeah. Again, you know, another 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 name from outside the organization with a good history. Obviously, he was yeah. fired this past season from from Toronto, but right. but nonetheless, definitely uh,
1: a good uh, mind, good baseball mind. Yeah,
0: somebody you want definitely. on your side um, for sure. Uh, I'll be really excited to see uh, you know who they bring in to to fill out the rest of the coaching staff, but uh, I think this is a good direction the direction yeah. for the White Sox organization, um, and a real departure from everything they've done uh, my entire life.
1: <laughs> what do, what's the future, Jose Abreu, out there? What do you think, man?
0: You know, I I, I really like him as a person. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how he fits in this roster. Um, yeah, yeah. If, I
1: mean, I don't think I don't think the future is with the White Sox. I, I just don't. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, I would like
0: to see him stay.
1: But uh mm-hmm.
0: it would require a significant pay cut and probably some a cut in playing time. Um and I'm yeah. not certain he's open to either of those things. Uh right. But uh,
1: right.
0: at the end of the day, um, I think that he winds up back with the organization at some point in some capacity. Maybe not sure. while he's playing, but uh, you know, maybe later on down the road as a coach. Um you know, he, he's one guy that uh I'm not certain how up to date on all the strategies and analytics he is but uh mm-hmm. you know he he's a guy that uh, i think a lot of people would be open to returning as a manager um but uh not sure if that's the that's the best move but uh definitely has a place somewhere in the organization
1: yeah well there's a
0: there's an opening to hitting coach
1: No, yeah, i mean
0: or the, no the, they might they there's... might they might have hired someone for that <laughs> who,
1: who knows right oh man look. La- What's going on here? You know, it was a, a rough a rough past week for the NFL. And I mean that in the sense of just personal matters. I don't know if you've seen some of these stories here. You know, former NFL coach uh, Mike Zimmer um, and former offensive uh, analyst for uh, the Bengals, um, uh, Adam Zimmer, I believe, he, uh, he passed away just suddenly here um, this past week Uh, Andy Reid current coach of the Kansas City Chiefs his son uh, pleaded guilty to uh, you know uh, uh, driving under the influence and uh, injuring some people Um, so he's going to serve some jail time a couple years I believe Uh, Ron Rivera coach of uh, the uh, previously mentioned Washington Commanders his mother passed away I mean, there's a lot happening in the NFL. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, it's just uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of unfortunate news going around, and uh, still Dan Snyder walks the world. You know, yeah, somehow. yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, all of our positive thoughts are with Taylor Swift. Yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's also a game on right now, Philadelphia and uh, Houston. Man, Philadelphia.
0: Wait, that's a all their sports a, are on fire.
1: Well, that's a. Uh... It's a coincidental matchup. Yeah, a couple, I know, couple right? Philly Houston tied games. I know, right? Uh, Philly is uh, playing that uh, awful Texans team. Um, and, uh, you know, they just, uh, the 76ers just got the news today that Harden's going to be out for a significant amount of time. I think we're talking months here yeah, um, yeah. with uh, with an injury. Um, again, he connects to that whole Brooklyn Nets uh, disaster of what, <laughs> what's going on up there. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, Philadelphia is firing on all cylinders, and uh, I mean the the Philadelphia Union, yeah, and the MLS man, come on, like I yeah, mean, they yeah, just they've
0: got a good shot of winning it all. They might be uh, they might
1: be the only team Philly that, that wins yeah. a championship this year. Head coach uh, Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills, a huge Philadelphia uh, Union fan, so yeah, yeah. So, so good. He's, good, uh,
0: good players on their team, good prospects too. I'm gonna wrap it up. Been about about an hour um yeah j- just a reminder make sure you uh you know click that follow button on whatever platform you're listening to this on uh and also give us a rating five stars if you if you think we're worth it um and you can listen to this episode and every episode on spotify apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts can be found you can follow us on twitter at underrated pod that's at under underscore rated underscore pod Follow us on TikTok at underrated pod. That's at under underscore rated underscore pod. Um, and you can follow us on YouTube at underrated pod.
1: All right. Well, well
0: said. All right. We'll see you next week.